Church isn't a vibe thingy. You know, it's trendy, the feelings. It's not spirituality, the reality. It's Holy Spirit. It's not a God thingy. It's really about the one true God. It's not a political rally. It's not about division. It's not about being exclusive like a country club. It's love at all costs because of Jesus and the cross. Let's not get into the feelings and, 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 and the things of this world. Let's get into real faith and real relationships. Now, that's not popular right now. This isn't a popular saying. People don't want to hear about, hey, you're in, you're intrinsing on my feelings. I want my feelings to be heard and said. But the truth is, when we get away from the gospel and we focus on peripherals and feelings, we, we really aren't doing God's work and God's will. But when we don't buy into what the world wants, we're called weak leaders and weak leadership. And the truth is, God wants us to stand on His Word and be about what He's about. And everything else, it's meaningless. You remember that sermon series a while back? I was having dinner with a friend the other night, and he says, like, man, I'm a quiet guy. I, I, I'm not really strong in, like, my voice and stuff. And he's like, I don't even really know what to fight right now. Well, the Bible says, Matthew uh, 6, seek first the kingdom of God, the kingdom we fight for, not country and, and state and city, not that we shouldn't vote and shouldn't get involved, but when we come to God, when we come to church, when we live for Christ, we seek first the kingdom of God. And what would Jesus do, right? You know, Jeremy had that huge acronym a couple weeks ago. What would Jesus do? Well, Jesus would point to us to the Sermon on the Mount where he starts to read the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes are a place that only God can help us live. And right now we need a Beatitude mindset more than ever. You know the Beatitudes. It says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Those that are spiritually, emotionally bankrupt. Poor in spirit. You know the prodigal child eating out of the, the pig's uh, slop? That's poor in spirit. When we're poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who are mourning, for when we are mourning, we are comforted. If you're mourning the society and this country and this state and things, we will be comforted when we're right with God. Those that are meek will inherit the kingdom of earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for their way and their political mindset. No, for righteousness. When we claim and seek and hunger and thirst the righteousness, which means right living with God, we will be filled. Blessed are those who are merciful, meaning giving mercy, for they will be shown mercy. Why do we give it away? So that we are shown mercy. Those that are pure in heart will see God. Those peacemakers will be called sons of God. We need peacemakers so that we can get to the table and change the things that are wrong in our world and in our country and our state. But if we're not living in peace, we're living in protest, and we're never going to get to where God wants us to get. And here's the last one. I love this one because maybe for the first time, I, re I had this revelation when I read this this week. Blessed are those who are persecuted, beca uh, persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I believe for the first time in our history in America, for many years, we are being persecuted. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's what we need because when the church is persecuted, it grows and expands and the kingdom of God becomes the fire of God. 
Maybe we need to lose all of our rights and, and our status and power so that we can grow the kingdom of God. Because when I lose the rights and status and power, the Bible says I gain life in Christ. When I hold on to it, I gain the world. When I lose it, I gain Christ. I know this isn't popular, but we're not trying to be popular. We're trying to grow a church out of the pandemic and out of this political mess and into a place where we can be obedient. And if this isn't a great place for you, I'm not challenging you to leave, but I'm challenging you to find a place where you hear the Word of God, where you grow in the Word of God, and learn to love the people as you are loving God. We are a church on a mission to love the world one person at a time. And we say this a lot at church, if this isn't the right place, then maybe, maybe we should look for somewhere else. And we don't want you to leave. We want you to see what God is doing together, collectively as a community, putting Christ first and letting the peripheral things, even though they are important for our country and our American rights, put those second or third or fourth behind, you know, God, marriage, kids, and all the other things. You've got to be right with God. And it really comes to an important place today because as we close out chapter 2 in 1 John, there's a warning about the Antichrist. And I really believe it comes at a great time for us. And so if you open up your Bibles towards the end, it's on page uh, 783 in my Bible. That's a joke if you're with me. Give me a thumbs up on the chat room if you're listening. Say hi to Dustin. Tell us what you're drinking. We want to be in community. But listen, this close of the chapter is a warning about the Antichrist. And then it's going to conclude with how we should live as, child, uh, as children of the, of, of, of the living God. So here's what it starts. It starts 1 John chapter 2. It says this. It says, Dear children. Now, that, moment, that word children, remember last week, if you were following with us and you're a part of the message, that word is paideon in Greek. And this children or this child that he's talking about is one that's kind of immature and needs constant supervision. This is going to come back at the end and kind of blow us away the way that John is writing. But here he's talking about, listen, the, I got to warn you about the Antichrist and you need constant supervision because you're falling, uh, you're falling short on this mindset in, in the place that you're at in your faith. And here's what it says. Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist is coming and already many such Antichrists have appeared. From this, we know that the last hour has come. Let's just spend a moment in prayer. I always love to stop and pray so that God takes over and I kind of let go of the wheel and put my faith and my, my life into his hands and hopefully my word. So I hope that he takes over my notes and takes over my will and just speaks to us both today. Father, we love you and we praise you and I know that you want to speak to us all. And I pray that someone who's online on Facebook or YouTube or listening to the podcast can feel the Holy Spirit move right now. And they will do some personal evaluations about where they're at and what, what has been deceiving all of us. And so, Father, I ask that you speak boldly through 1 John chapter 2, the end of the chapter. And I pray that you will bring salvation out of it, that you will speak to our hearts from heaven. And I pray most importantly, Lord, that you will transform someone right before our eyes, wherever they're at, that you will speak to them, that you will transform them, and that you will grow them in salvation. We love you, King Jesus. We praise you. Speak to us boldly right now. 
in the name above all names, Jesus Christ. Amen. So here is the mindset of John. John's talking about the expectancy of Jesus' return. It's called The Last Hour. Now, sounds like a great movie and God likes to work in the last hour, but really, here's what he's trying to say. Jesus can come at any time. And are you ready? Are you ready? I know you're ready for football, but are you ready for Christ to come back? This should be our mindset. And that's what he's talking about. Be ready. We've got antichrists around, but be ready because Christ is, uh, you know, at any moment can come back. And my prayer is right now, come back right now right now, right in the middle of the message so that we can glorify you, Lord, and you can start this process of us being with you forever. That would be one of the great moments and will be one of the great moments for all time, for all of us in Christianity. So here's what he's talking about. It's an attack on our relationship with God and it's attack from an enemy about and it's bringing in false religion, false doctrine, false biblical use and perverting them and deterring people away from their real relationship and uh, their real faith in God. That's the whole idea of this sermon series is what's real in your life and your faith and what's real in your life with these relationships we have in Christ. Now the Antichrist actually means means the opposite of God. But here, I believe it's more than that. I think it's, it's deeper than that. The Antichrist is live and well, and he's at work in this world. And last week we talked about, do not love this world. And it's not the actual people in the world and the little ball that we see from the pictures. Uh, it's really the actual rule and reign. Don't love this world, the rule and reign. And the Antichrist rules, has dominion over this earth. And, and when we talk about Antichrist, I, I want to make sure you understand this. There's a lot of things that are obvious in our society right now that we can see just kind of evil creeping in. And in some areas, it's going rapidly. But it's not always the obvious stuff that we need to work on. It's not always the movies and the media and the music and, 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 and what's going on in social media. It's not always about schools and governments and, you know, whatever is going on politic-wise. I think it's deeper than I think here John is challenging us to look in personally. I mean, at least I know that's what I got out of this text as I was reading this. I got to look within. I got to ask myself, am I really following God completely in that real faith and real relationship or am I letting other peripherals come in? Now a lot of times when I sit and meet with people I ask them this question especially someone who's struggling. I'm like, I, I, I say this quite a bit. If you were your own enemy I mean, think about it. If you were the antichrist in your own life and you were trying to destroy your life, how would you do it? If you were against you, how would you steal, kill, and destroy? John chapter 10, verse 10, your own life. And once you understand that, and every time I challenge somebody and they don't get confused with it, they start to see, oh, well, this is what's going on in my life. That's why this relationship with a parent or with a child is going awry or my work or whatever I put a value, that's why it's happening. And we need to understand that. Now, in this text, we see that the Antichrist really means opposite, but it's more than that because it says when, when, when Jesus is going to come back, it says that there's going to be uh, Antichrists or people popping their head up that are going to mimic godly things. So it's not just being the opposite of God. We can see that, that, you know, people walking around and having satanic mindsets, that's easy. But what are the, the stuff that looks like it's godly, but it's not really godly? 
And it, and it brings me back to a place almost two years ago. And in October of 2019, November, I, I was kind of traveling. And I remember going through this time of travel going, how would any of us that read the Bible, that, that follow Jesus Christ and go to church on the regular, how are we going to be um, kind of uh, t- taken off of the, the will of God? How can that happen? If I'm in the Word, if I'm following, and what I, what I saw over the last 18 months was this, that how is, how is Christianity going to be perverted is we're going to put our own, avin- uh, own opinions connected to a Bible verse, our own, own purposes or the ways that we want things, and we're going to connect them to Bible verses, and we're going to want our purposes and opinions kind of glorified using God's Word. And that's kind of backwards because the Bible as a whole is about the kingdom of God and how God rules and reigns and how he saves his people and his people are saved through Jesus Christ. So when I take something out of the Bible and try and make it to my opinion and to my appeal to show the world this, I'm really taking it out of context. And and the idea here is this, is the Bible to connect me to God and, and, and help me live a better life? Yes. It's not for me to push an agenda so that I can get something out of this world. It's completely opposite. He's not just the opposite. He wants to distract you, the Antichrist, from true worship in God. True worship. Now, how do I know that? It's not because I'm smart. Trust me. It's because I read the Bible. And there's this moment, and I I think it's important that we dive into this for a second. There's this moment where Satan uses the Bible against Jesus. So he actually uses Bible verses against Jesus to trick him and to to scheme and try and get Jesus to worship Satan too. You know that story in Matthew 4 where he gets tempted by the Holy Spirit for 40 days and 40 nights in the desert. He's fasting, he's not eating, and at the end, he is tempted by the devil. The devil comes in and says, Jesus, make these stones and turn them into bread. And Jesus, uh, because he knows the Word of God, says, man does not live on bread alone, and he quotes Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. The devil hears what he says and he's like, oh, I know that. So then the devil takes him to a temple, uh, the, uh, the pinnacle of the temple, it says. And he says, throw yourself down. And then the devil quotes Psalm 91, verse 11 and 12. Psalm 91, the one that we've been talking about for the last year and a half, faith over fear, and I'm living a Psalm 91 life. The devil quotes Psalm 91 and, and, and basically Jesus says, you know, after he quoted this verse, he corrects him and says, you're not to test the Lord your God. And he quotes Deuteronomy 6, verse 16. And then the devil finally takes him to show him all the kingdoms of the world. So he takes him to this mountaintop peak. And he says, listen, if you bow to me, I'll give you this world. But, but Jesus knows his purpose. And he says, away from me, Satan. You're only to worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And once Satan heard that, it says he kind of just disappeared or fleed. And then the angels came and ministered to him. So the point of this is this, that even Satan uses the word of God against God to try and pervert the world. And we can be in that same mindset. And I'm not saying everything that we're doing by promoting God's word is, is, is perverted, but we need to understand why am I using it and what is the purposes? Verse 19 goes like this. Let's just move on and let's kind of hold this mindset. The Bible can be perverted. Satan knows the Bible better than most of us. 
It's not like he's unheard. Do you realize that there's moments where there's demon possession and demons and they're saying, you know, have mercy on us, Lord. And they know the Lord's will and they know the Lord's plan. Don't tell them that, you know, and Jesus would say, don't tell them that you know what the will of God is. So it's very interesting. So let's continue as we're kind of in this warning against the Antichrist. He says, these people who have left our churches, but they are not, they, they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. When they left, they had proved they did not belong. And so what's happened is some people have came in, st stirred up a bunch of controversy, and, and, and they were kind of putting people on their heels going, what's going on? And, 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 and then they've left the church. And now John is saying, hey, people that don't stay and don't want to be in a, in a God-fearing church and in a place where they're preaching Jesus Christ, they don't want the full gospel and they tend to leave and they go to places where they can hear what they want to hear and not what the will of God is. Listen, if we were able to preach exactly what God wanted, the church would crumble because it's, it's not always easy to hear. You don't come every Sunday they go and it's going to be happy-go-lucky. Sometimes there's just heavy uh, uh, spiritual conviction and struggle and we need to talk about repentance and sin and darkness and evil. It's not always that way. And so when we try and get to a place that's kind of vibey and cool and about what our opinions and preferences are, we're missing out the full gospel and we're missing out what God really wants. And what happens is people leave because they don't want to be in that type of relationship. Listen, my future depends on what I say. In the future, in 20, 30, 40 years, nobody's going to remember Jeff Rodriguez or his ministry. You know, and that's not my goal is to have a plaque on a church. Jeff uh, was a, a lead pastor of this church. That's not really my goal. My goal is my future is going to be in Christ and with Christ. And my future depends on what I say and how I live and what I teach, that's what the Bible says. I've got responsibility. And so because of that responsibility, I am called to give out the gospel message and try and be as close to the Bible as possible, trying to keep out less opinion and just more to the, what the Bible says. My job is, my job is to be obedient and teach obedience so that that God can be glorified. And it says, be holy as I'm holy. Not because he doesn't want you to be holy. He wants you to be holy because he is holy and he is challenging me. And so that's what I'm talking about. I think that's important for us to understand. People are leaving churches and that's okay sometimes because God prunes and changes and shapes and he's doing a wonderful thing in our church right now. And so we're grateful, especially this online community as well. Let's move on. Verse 20. But you are not like that, for the Holy One has given you his, his Spirit. And now, and all of you know the truth. I'm writing to you because you do not, I'm writing to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know the difference between truth and lies. Very critical. Highlight. And who is a liar? Anyone who says that Jesus is not the Christ, anyone who denies the Father and the Son is the Antichrist. Anyone who denies the Son doesn't have the Father either, but anyone who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. This is a very 
uh, a, a cool place. But he's talking about us being filled or anointed with this Holy Spirit. And that's for everyone. When you accept Jesus Christ, you then have this Holy Spirit that's been given to you so that you can understand truth from lies. And, uh, you know, the Antichrist versus Jesus Christ. And we are to be filled in that spirit. Holy Spirit, and everyone who claims Jesus should want that and want that direction every day. John is giving us written words to reaffirm to Christians that we need to discern, discern what is truthful and what are lies. We need to understand what we're about to fight and what we should fight. And the thing that I'm willing to fight for right now is worshiping in spirit and truth. That's what the Bible talks about. If, if, if they started taking away our ability to worship in spirit and truth, then I'm willing to die on that hill because I believe that's what God wants us to do. And there was a time when we were just all online and we were worshiping in spirit and truth and it was still powerful even though it was not together and in community. But now things have changed. So here is the issue of, uh, that John is trying to get to. He's trying to understand truthful lies and, and who is really following Jesus and who's really a believer and who's the Antichrist. And he talks about anyone who denies the Father is not, is, is not with Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of times we think, well, if they can say the word Jesus Christ, that they're not against him. Well, that, it, it's, it's a little more than that. What he's trying to say here, and I think this is the main point, denied sometimes or in, in the Greek context means contradicts and goes against. And I think that's an important thing here. When he says denies, he's like, it contradicts that Jesus is Lord. A couple of weeks ago, I had this conversation with the guy and he was talking about the light. Oh, I'm interested in the light and bringing people to the light and I'm like yeah but Jesus is light and he's like if you want to call Jesus light be ahead go ahead I, and I said no that's the point he's like yeah Jesus is good but he didn't really say Jesus was Lord and that's the difference is is Jesus Lord of your life or is he just a good teacher and he's something the good to hear about when you have that denial or that contradiction you're actually not claiming Jesus as your savior you're just saying he's a good person and even Jesus he didn't want to say he was good he wanted to say that God was good even though he is God, he was trying to point to us as the world. Don't try and make me good. Make me Lord. That's what he really wants to do. I love this quote from Nietzsche because I think this really uh, kind of hits it home for me. Nietzsche uh, uh, was a... Uh, you know, a, a non-believer, didn't believe. He's a very famous man, wrote a bunch of stuff, and he actually writes a book about the Antichrist, a lot of interesting things, even though he doesn't believe in Jesus. But here's what it says. He says, the most common sort of lie is that by which man deceives himself. The most common sort is those that we, we deceive ourselves. He says, the deception of others is rarely that offense. Rarely do we get deceived by the serpent in the garden. It does happen, but rarely, most of the time, it's self-deception. And I think that's what we're seeing here is the Holy Spirit is to help us from this self-deception. I need to stop, evaluate, and look, where am I being deceived? And then where am I taking this deception and passing that information forward? Where is that lie coming from and, and, and where can I stop it? And where have I informed others with that lie? 
So this question comes to me is, is Jesus Lord? Am I really following him or have I been deceived? If Jesus is Lord, I say, my God is perfectly revealed in Jesus Christ. He is the only way to heaven and he is the only road to salvation. When I am deceived that there's another way or that another religion or another concept can get us to heaven or is kind of in that place, that's when we're deceived. And today what's happened is spirituality has taken over our society, but what spirit is it? It's not this vibey thing. There's only one Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost that's guiding us. And so that's what John is getting into. Here's what verse 24 says. So now that you are, are, are not being deceived, he says, remain faithful to what you have been taught from the beginning. Christianity is pretty simple. I mean, the, the messages over the year, if we kind of looked at the list of messages over the year, there's a lot of repetition. There's a lot of concepts and scriptures that we go back to on the regular because it's how we live our life. We have to continue to go back to what we learned to, from the beginning because that's how we stay close to Christ. If you do, verse, uh, the second part of the verse says, if you do, you will remain in fellowship with the Son and with the Father. This is something John wants us to do, is to remain. As we're coming to the close of chapter 2, 1 and 2 are telling us we need to be right, walking in the light, so that we can remain in fellowship with the Son and with God Himself. How critical that is, and we need to protect ourselves. When we get out of whack and when we start wobbling in our faith, how do we protect ourselves? John says, go back to the beginning, get into that spiritual place with God, with his word in a healthy church, in a, in a healthy Bible study, and let us remain faithful to what we learned from the beginning. Jesus is Lord of my life, and in Jesus, my sins are forgiven, remember last week, and now I'm right with God and I can be with God for eternity when I believe that. You know, we were, I was talking a, a few minutes ago about spirituality and, you know, new age stuff. We are attracted by nature to new things. Oh, a, a fly or look at that shiny object. We just love that. That's why we have so much consumerism because we love new things. I mean, I love an Amazon package. Our community group, we were laughing on how, when the Amazon guy comes, how excited we get. And, you know, it's usually nothing that important. We love new teaching and it's kind of comes from the culture of the Romans and the Greeks. They, they were always interested in new philosophies and new teachings and things that were going on. And it's like, come and teach us this new idea. It sounds interesting. And they wanted to know the newest, latest, greatest things. And aren't we the same way? Aren't we trying to recreate and redo and make something new? That's just the way of culture. That's the way of life. But the Apostle Paul writes to this in this into the church of Ephesus. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. I think it's important. And maybe you should read all the way from 11 to 15 in Ephesians 4 because it really talks about this topic about being new. But basically what he's saying is, in the first couple of verses, he's saying, you know, God gives us gifts by the Holy Spirit, teachers, pastors, and leaders. And he's also saying we are responsible as God's people to equip others. And then verse 13 and 14 says this, this will continue until we, until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we might be mature in the Lord. The idea here we talked a lot about this last week, is becoming mature, unified in faith and knowledge so that we can become mature. And then the second part says, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. How do we become mature? 
We don't go back to the new, easy, crazy teaching. We go back to what we've known, the, the measuring up full and complete by the standard of Christ who was revealed to us 2,000 plus years ago. And here's the best part. Then we will no longer be these immature Pideon type of children where we won't be tossed and blown by every new new wave of teaching. We will not be influenced, influenced when people trick us with lies so clever that sound like truth. Today, there are more lies that sound like truth because people connect their opinion to a concept or to a Bible verse that's not really necessarily 100% true in God's eyes. It might be true in their mind, but is it true in God's eyes? We need to grow up and not be immature and connect our opinions and our preferences to what God is saying we need to connect to what God is saying so that our opinions and preferences are washed in his blood and through Jesus Christ uh, and, and through Christ's words. Here's what verse 25 says. In this fellowship, we, uh, we enjoy the eternal life promise. All of this comes to a boil when it's in this fellowship because the, not only are we right with God, but we can enjoy this eternal life. The blessing of remaining, this word is abiding or remaining in the truth and in God is eternal life. That's the, that's the goal. That's what I'm waiting for. And I hope Christ comes back now so I don't have to finish the sermon, but we can just enjoy this eternal life. Eternal life isn't just immortality. And I think that's what we need to dig into for a second. Every human being made in the image of God will be immortal, meaning souls will live forever. The difference is, where is it going to be? Is it going to be heaven or hell? So eternal life just doesn't mean a life that lasts forever. Eternal life actually means a life that's like God's, with God, and will be with God forever. That's the idea here. We don't want to live an eternal life, an immortal life, apart from God. We want to live one close to God. The idea of eternal life has reference to a life beyond this present world. And we kind of get caught up in that. There's a life beyond this present world. But it doesn't begin when we die. And this is a critical point. It, if, we if we don't have eternal life now on earth, we won't get it when we die. Eternal life begins on earth. It must be done on earth. That's, that's very kind of mind-boggling, but powerful and wonderful all in the same boat. And John wants us to experience the blessings. Remain faithful for what you've been taught in the beginning. Remain in the fellowship with the Son and, and the Father, verse 24, and then 25. And in this fellowship, we then have this beautiful eternal life. Let's move on, verse 26. He says, I am writing these things to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. Warning. This is a late, this is a warning notice. But you have reached, uh, received the Holy Spirit and he lives in you so that you don't need to teach, uh, you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know and what he teaches is true and it's not a lie. So just as he taught you, remain in the fellowship of, of, of Christ. I love this. It says, written. And, and, and as I was thinking about this, it's like, when you get a bill that you've been late, you know, like I got one the other day, I forgot to pay one of my kids' uh, um, registration. I got this late notice saying, oh, now you got a penalty 
because you didn't pay it last Tuesday. And when you get a late notice and you know you need to pay that bill, do you open it up and go, okay, I need to pay for it or deal with it? Or are you that type of person that kind of puts it in the corner and hides it and neglects it? Here, we can't afford to neglect what Christ is saying. We can't afford to neglect what John is trying to speak in our, in our sermon series, Real Faith and, and, and Real Relationships. He's saying this is something you can't neglect. And, and I love what he was talking about. He's like, when you're, when you're a believer, you receive, what the, you receive the Holy Spirit and it lives in you. Uh, and, and this always blows me away. God is in heaven. Jesus is at, in heaven. But the Holy Spirit is here to connect us to God and Jesus in heaven. And what we've been taught by the Holy Spirit is true. And its job is to teach us what is true. And, and, and that's really cool because that's for all of us. There's this innate feeling, which means from the beginning of our life, that is right from wrong, good from bad, truth from lies. We know when we're lying. We know when we're telling the truth. We know when we're doing bad things and we're clicking on that website we shouldn't be clicking, but we still do. There's this innate, and that's the Holy Spirit, and it really gets activated when we believe in Jesus Christ because it wants to come alive. The Holy Spirit needs to be stoked into a, a, a giant uh, fire that's bringing out the Holy Spirit so that we can learn and listen and discern, which just means to understand lies from truth. That's what discernment really means, is understanding lies from from truth, what's good and what's godly versus what's bad and what's not godly. The Greek word here, uh, meno, is this word abide or remain. In our text, in the New Living Translation, it says remain. In most of the translations, it means abide. And I, I think it's important that we understand what it means. It means to hold to. When I'm abiding, I'm holding to. I'm, I'm holding to this because I'm abiding in it. I'm, I, I'm not departing to it. I'm continuing to be present. I need to observe when I'm, um, when I'm abiding or in this meno mindset. I need to follow and I need to obey. And this is the message that we need to be taught. We need to remain, hold on to, cling to, maybe that's a better word for you, cling to Christ. The key to remaining or this meno uh, is to allow Christ to be part of your life, to have him so that you can be confident in your relationship with God. Christ comes so that we can be connected to God and we can then be confident in God. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants us to live like. Our confidence should be in Christ so that we can be confident in who God is. This enables us to live our everyday life or helps us live our everyday life in the promises of God. That's, the, that's what this abiding means to us, is to live in the beautiful promises to, uh, to, to, for God. And if we do all of this for Christ, we are living in the victory of Christ. I'm, I'm not focusing what I'm trying to get out of life. I'm trying to focus what my, life, what my life can give to Jesus Christ and how I can be an offering to this world. And that brings us to the last section of this, of this text today. And the subtitle says, living as children of God. So these last few verses, it now switches. I'm not to live of this world. Remember last week, verse 15, 16, and 17 says, we are not to love this world. We're not to love with the 
lust of the eyes or lust of the flesh or the pride of life, but we are to, to, to live in Jesus Christ. And, and, and it points back to verse 14 that, that, that we are to learn to find victory in Jesus Christ every day. And so, and at the end of verse 28, and this was what I was talking about at the beginning of the message, it says, and now dear children, and now it switches from paideon, which means an immature child that needs constant supervision. Now he comes and says, if you want to live for God, it's technia and it switches. It's very powerful. Uh, technia is this emphasizes on this healthy child dependency on the parent. There's this really healthy part where a child is dependent on its parents and it looks to that parent as they are the solution to all of my needs. When you, you got an infant or a toddler and the only way they can really get food and get fed or to get changed or get clean is by that that parent that they have and this is a healthy relationship and now it's in this technia that he goes and says these living children this is how do we are to live as children it says now dear children technia remain in fellowship with Christ so that he return when he returns you will be full of courage and not shrink back for him in shame since we know that Christ is our righteousness, we know that all who do what is right are children of God. And that's really the conclusion of chapter 2. And so John brings this really powerful, convicting image to our life. When Jesus returns... Remember the last hour at the beginning, he says the last hour is coming. When Jesus returns in that final hour, in that final minute when he shows up, people are going to be afraid. You know why? Number one is they're going to be afraid because they don't know Jesus. And all of a sudden, he's going to show himself and they're like, he's real. And I've blown it. And they're going to be afraid because they know their destiny is now forever enshrined in, in a place apart from God. But those who know him, they're not going to be afraid. They're going to be ashamed. It says that we need to be in full courage and not shrink back. They're shrinking back because they're like, oh, crap. I, I, I didn't live. I didn't remain in Christ. I've been out there living this life, living in this worldly mindset, in these unfruitful lives. And this realization must be taught and spoken about. And maybe you need to have that realization today. In a, in, in a moment's eye, in, in a moment in life, all of a sudden your life can change. Have you realized that? You, you run a red light and get in a car accident. That three-second decision changes your life. You know, an affair or drinking or using when you're not supposed to in a, in a small second of a decision can change your life immensely. And here in that moment, there's going to be a reality. And for those that remain in Christ, the reality is going to be God's glory. But for those that know God and know Christ, but lived a worldly life and lived an unfruitful life, they're going to be ashamed and hopeful that they made it across the finish line, that they made that commitment and they, and they, made, that, they made that statement that Jesus is Lord. Our job is to remain, abide, hold fast to, cling to Jesus Christ, regardless of what the world says, regardless of, of what's going on in our, our, in our country, our state and, and, and our city. And I know, trust me, there's a lot of stuff I do not agree with, but I know that my big, big God has a plan 
regardless of what I'm doing. And I'm going to do my job and my part for society, but I'm going to live for Christ above all of that and have faith over fear that he has got a plan and that he is working in the middle of this. That's why I began with the whole concept that church isn't a vibe thing. It's not a rally. It's about obedience. It's about abiding. Uh, It's about remaining uh, faithful even when I don't like anything that's going on. And there's a lot of things I don't like. But all I can do is cling to Christ and say, I know you got a plan, God, and I know you're going to work it out for the good of your purposes. And I've got to remain faithful regardless of how I feel. Faith isn't about feelings. And I want you to get this image in your head. I I want you to hear this as the last words that I say before I close. The enemy wants you in your feelings. Christ wants you in faith, but the enemy wants you in the feelings of the lust of the flesh. You know how your, 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 your flesh gets tantalized by sin. It wants you in that feeling or the lust of your eyes, that coveting. He wants you feeling and wanting and coveting. He wants you in that prideful place. You know how pride, prideful you can get when something occurs, that promotion or raise. He wants you into your feelings. He, he, he wants you in, the, in, in this mindset of sex, drugs, and political status or power. My way, uh, my rights, my will be done on earth. That's what he wants, me feeling it, emotional. But God, but God. God wants me faithful, remaining in him, giving up my rights and giving, g- heeding to his way and to his will. I know it sounds countercultural, but Christ came to change the world, not to be about the world. And I love that about him. And I just want to go back to the Beatitudes. If you want to live your life and if you want to remain faithful, the only thing that we can do is look at the Beatitudes and look at the, what it means to us. I mean, this is, you know, eight to 10 weeks of teaching if we just went to the Beatitudes, but just go back to Matthew 5 and say, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, emotionally and spiritually bankrupt to the end of themselves. Those are the ones that will receive the kingdom of God because those are the ones that know they need a savior. Those that mourn, mourn the loss of, uh, of, of the way society's going, we will be comforted in Christ. The meek today, Sometimes they say, oh, if we're not following the the ways of other people and their leadership, we're weak. No, we're meek because the meek will inherit the earth. We will inherit the earth. Those who hunger and thirst are blessed because they search for righteousness and they will be filled. Filled with what? The Holy Spirit. And, And that spirit wants to discern truth from lies. Those blessed are those who are merciful. They will be shown mercy. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, clinging to Christ, clinging to God's will, clinging to God's word. When we are pure in heart and purely satisfied with God's will and God's motives, we uh, we will see God. We will see the glory of God regardless of what the world wants for us. Blessed are those who are peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. I promise you, church. If we love the world and we bring peace to our society, 
you will see God work. And we might not have great victory in all, in all parts of society, but peace will bring us to a glory and a godly victory, I guarantee you. And then finally, blessed are those that are persecuted because of their righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom. Maybe today's a day about being persecuted. Maybe I just need to experience, maybe for the first time, being persecuted because I cling to Jesus above anything else. I'm willing to lose my rights and my status. If I had to lose my house and my car, but I got Christ, I gained Christ, and I don't worry about this life. And I know it sounds so easy to say, but hopefully, hopefully that's what we're really trying to say. I'm so grateful that you joined us. I'm so grateful for this book. And I'm really praying that you are challenged right now and, and, and encouraged and convicted. So let's just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us as we close. And let's pray for God to do a great work within us. Shunning the evil and the enemy and growing Christ and God's glory. Father, we love you and we pray right now, Holy Spirit, move in our life. Show us where we have darkness and show us where we are being deceived and the lies that we are believing and, and pushing forward. And Lord, I ask that the Holy Spirit guides us to a place in the Bible that tells us the truth and, and brings us to that complete wholeness and understanding that we read in Ephesians. Lord, help us understand what the Beatitudes are and how we need you to live those mindsets out. I ask, Lord, that if there's someone here that's watching, that is tuned in, that is dark or distant or doesn't know Jesus or has never really made that distinction that Jesus is not just good, but he is Lord. If that's you, I pray that you receive him by saying a simple prayer. And I'm asking in my heart right now that the Holy Spirit is guiding you. And if that's you, just repeat after me. It's a very simple prayer. I confess with, with my mouth and I believe it with my heart. That's what Romans 10, 9 and 10 says. So just repeat after me. It says, Father, forgive me. Forgive me for my sins and my life apart from you. You died on the cross for me so that I can have a right relationship with God. And you rose again three days later for me so that I can have eternal life with God and with you and the Holy Spirit, which means forever with God. Anoint me with your Holy Spirit so that I can discern lies from truth and help me walk all the days of my life with you. I love you, King Jesus, and I claim you as Lord right now. Amen. I'm so grateful that you've joined us today. You know what I was thinking? Is if you're, you need some worship, come back to Facebook and live stream it. At 10 o'clock, join us and you can get a, a, a few songs of worship. This week we're doing communion. Grab a cracker and some juice and do communion with us. And better yet, if you feel the necessity of worship, come and join us at 10 o'clock on Sundays. We've got an outdoor and an indoor. We're trying to practice as safe as we possibly can. We are so grateful that you've joined us. God bless you. God loves you. And God is always with you.